Hello everybody and welcome back to You Can't Win. This is Tom here and I'm joined by Don as usual. Today we have a special guest here to talk about uh, baseball and the COVID response that uh, the MLB has had and all kinds of funny stuff like that that's been going on. Uh, I guess we'll be calling you Lex or or what, what's, the, what's the deal with your name right now? So um, a lot of people know me from my first Twitter username, maybe Dude Slater. Um, there was a big kerfuffle where I got banned with that. The, the deep state got involved. Very funny. Um, so when, when I was liberated and, and a free man, uh, kind of like Roger Stone, I came back under the new uh, username Tanky underscore Viciato, which is also a baseball reference. We're going to be talking some baseball today. Diane Viciato is a player who was on my favorite team, the White Sox, and now he plays in Japan and he um he's kind of revered there the same way that you know maybe Stefan Marbury is in China with basketball. That's very cool. But that that account got banned and I came back as White Sox Slater. And then recently I've got a new name. It's White Sox Lex. So that's that's why we'll be going by Lex today. Yeah, sounds good. Um Yeah, so I guess uh just to kick things off, let's sort of just lay out the basics on what has been going on with the MLB uh, in relation to COVID and everything. I, I, I've been following it a little bit, but not probably as closely as you have. So maybe if you just want to summarize the situation for us. So, you know, baseball schedule pitchers and catchers typically report around Valentine's Day, so February. And so that's around the time when America kind of knew that COVID was happening, but we didn't really have a handle on the situation until maybe the NBA shut down when Rudy Gobert tested positive. And so around that time, maybe MLB decides, all right, we've got to shut down spring training before we actually get to opening day. And that's they go on a hiatus for months trying to figure out how we're going to start things back up. And they they finally start back up summer camps June, July, after a a long labor ordeal where they're trying to figure out how much the players are going to get paid and how many games they're going to be playing and what what the playoff situation is going to look like, how much money they're all going to make. And one of the things that really gets put on the back burner through all of this is like health and safety protocols. <laughs> yeah. 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 I can imagine. I mean, can you just imagine what those rooms were like where they were negotiating this stuff? I mean, this is really unprecedented. They don't really have, you know, th- there's no normality to this where you can kind of just fall back on like, okay, well, this is how this sort of thing normally goes. And there's so much money at stake that I imagine everyone's just thinking about like, oh, shit, we could lose a lot of money here, and that's the priority on both sides, you know, players and the owners and everything. So, yeah, that must have been really crazy. One of the big shot agencies, uh, Scott Boris, he's, you know, he was able to retain all of his staff and pay all them, and he said, well, we've had experience with what it's like when we can't, like, pay anyone because there isn't any baseball because in, like, 94 and 95 there was labor stoppages. And this really isn't comparable to that, but that's, like, that's you're right, that's, like, the experience they've had. And so what the MLB Players Association, what they came out with, the, the uh, union for the players, they were saying, like, we all want to play. Tell us when and where to play. That was, that was the message they put out is we cannot wait to get back on the field. We're players. We want to play. And so, yeah, when that was the message put out, there wasn't really the idea that maybe there should be a hiatus until the COVID situation is, is under wraps. Yeah, I mean, it's it's funny because you got these two – like if you kind of go a little bit for, like far down the road with the MLB kind of thinking, you kind of go, okay, well, you know, all these other industries are sort of semi-open already and the other sports are trying to make a go of it a bit. And, you know, this isn't necessarily 
uh, way more dangerous potentially than say uh, restaurants being open again or something like that kind of thing. You know, like they can kind of go that kind of well, we you know if we half-ass it a bit maybe, but you know it's, that's a bad thing. But you know, there's at least theoretically we could kind of you know put something together here. But then you kind of stop and go, wait a minute though. There's no like medical reason why this has to happen, right? There's no like baseball uh, thing that if we don't have baseball for a year, then uh, you know it's it's not the same as like having grocery stores open on the corner, and it's not the same as like education or something where uh, you know at least theoretically you're losing a year of a kid's life or something for their math skills or something, you know. So I think that's funny that like you know you got this. Uh, you can see how the money really focuses the mind here kind of thing on for these people. They kind of go, okay, wait a minute though. You know, it's like, we got to do this somehow. And, uh, let's kind of just, you know, push forward no matter what happens kind of thing. So, yeah. I mean, that really is the bottom line is that it's a non-essential service and anyone looking at it objectively is like, well, why are we doing this? Why can't we wait until it's, it's safe for everyone involved? Because when you see that a player is testing positive, maybe they've like caught or recovered from the virus. That's like that. What what does recovered from it mean when you see that there's potential for long term damage to like your lungs or whatever? Yeah, for sure. It would be pretty funny though, like if a whole team got it and they were just all on the disabled list like the whole season. And like, that's like, kind of what's happening with Miami. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, we're making, you know, we're all cracking the jokes about it. Jair Bolsonaro has been drafted by Miami. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> They've signed him off the international free agents list. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was reading uh, some of the New York Times articles about this kind of stuff. And uh, I guess they have their own Dr. Fauci of their own kind of thing, like Dr. Green or something, like the person that's supposed to be uh, sort of organizing the response for the health and that. And uh, he said that, you know, they were asking about the Marlins situation and stuff. And they said... He said, well, you know, 29 out of 30 teams not having it isn't a bad batting average. That's was, so funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> I had not heard that. That's great. Yeah. Because um, yeah. they did like, you know, they said, well, we had 12,000 tests or something like that, or about 11,000 tests in the past week or so, and only 29 came back positive. And it's like, well, that's not... It's not, it's not how a virus works. <laughs> no, so they yeah. made it maybe like three or four days into the season before that Marlins outbreak happened. Yeah. But like they were already fucking up their response before that in really hilarious ways. And it really came down to the first game of the season because right beforehand, the Nationals had this, you know, 19, 21 year old, you know, superstar player, uh, Juan Soto, coming off of a World Series win testing positive for COVID and like practice the day before the yeah. game. And so the right thing to do is obviously to cancel the game because there's no way you can test and trace before, you know, first pitch. Mm -hmm. And not only do they still play the game, Dr. Fauci is there to fuck up the first pitch and throw it like six feet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What happened there? That was, that was the worst opening pitch I've ever seen. I I've seen where I've seen one where it's like an employee winning, like, you know, employee of the month. They get to throw out the first pitch and they, they whiff so badly. They hit a cameraman trying to catch it. <laughs> I mean, his form was just, I, I watched it a few times and I was just trying to figure out like, what is he? It's like, he didn't, he bounced it. He hit it six feet wide. Like he, he was, he was going for the try hard move and he fucked it up. Yeah. yeah he kind of like, pushed it instead of threw it like it's sort of like you know you see kids are like you know 
stereotypical like girl throw kind of a thing where they don't really like swing their arm back he kind of like just like (laughs) lobbed it like a shot put and it kind of yeah it's pretty funny if you guys haven't seen it you should go uh search it up oh my god that video is great and when the news of that was coming out like concurrent news was that and and maybe he actually just invited himself upon seeing Dr. Fauci was doing the first pitch of the first game of the season, but Donald Trump was supposed to throw out the first pitch on the 15th of August with the Yankees. Yeah. And then no, no. And then it turns out they never invited him and he's backing yeah. out of it and they're, they're postponing it. And it's like, that's, that's such a cop out. Come on. We need, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the form on it. Yeah. Yeah. Matt Christman was saying about how, like you just imagine the rippling on his body or whatever, when he's doing it. Yeah. <laughs> oh we need to see that blubber go yeah i don't know oh and there was this image of him in like the white house line like trying to catch a ball from a toddler or whatever yeah yeah looked like one yeah and yeah everything about those opening day festivities was wonderful especially the underlying thing of like we're playing through a covid scare and like thankfully that was a false positive but now you've got like over 100 players who've definitely tested positive Wow, I didn't know it was that much. That's that's crazy, yeah. Yeah, um, around the league, yeah. It's, yeah, it's yeah, been yeah. like over 100 people. Yeah. And, well, they've been traveling, you know, That yeah, like they, they've not had a bubble situation. You can't have like three or four or five baseball stadiums next to each other, apparently. Um, I'm sure they could build it if they decided to wait like a year and actually put in like the infrastructure and, and resources into trying to like make that setup happen. But like they didn't do that. They were just like, we're going to try and play it. And we're going to say like, well, everyone's wearing masks. And we said that there's a 100 something page rule book that they have to follow. Yeah. And then it's like off the field, by the way, they're at their own discretion and they have to just exercise caution. And that's like, that's the page on that. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, the funny thing is, like, the actual on the field stuff seems pretty, like, COVID friendly in a sense. Like, oh, it's so relaxed, too. Like, they're just letting players spit and, like, slap asses and high well, five and stuff I mean, and not really enforcing on it. Cause, like, what would you do? Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, th- that's not what I mean, though. I'm talking about, like, baseball. It's set, like, it, it's set up in a way that if you're going to have a sport that's, like, corona friendly, baseball is pretty good for it like the players are generally really spread out you don't have people like breathing on each other and stuff it's all open air you know like that's it's it's a funny you know thing to think about that the players are so spread out that it's like the automatically most socially distanced sport but then you think about they're all touching the same ball and you know even if they're wearing gloves or breathing on it they're you know yeah, I mean the dugout, you know, the locker rooms. I, like, I imagine just the traveling, you know, you got like the all these guys. The dumbest thing they've done is they've kept doing the locker room meetings. Oh. And it's like you don't have to be inside with like th- those locker rooms. You can be like somewhere else, anywhere else with better ventilation. It would be great if some guys like superstition, you know, baseball players are famously very superstitious like if some of them went like coughed into everyone's mask or something like that was his thing <laughs> like he did that once and hit a homer so he's like i gotta do this man sorry yeah, yeah, yeah. i'm sorry i've got to cough into the mask it's part of the tradition <laughs> no no, yeah. no cough no home run yeah um and i guess you know things like with the schedule uh you know they're blowing out these games right like i uh, they just canceled the or postponed sorry the phillies toronto weekend series and uh 
you know, it's hard to, it, pretty quickly, you just can't make any of those up. You know, I mean, they're going to, you know, double up and no. stuff sometimes. In that, But it's 60 games in about two months or so, right? So it's just they're for three months. They're going to have to like, cancel it all yeah. at some point. Yeah. I, I think it's all just going to catch up on them the same way that it's going to sort of catch up on the rest of the country. But speaking of the Blue Jays, that's, I don't think, something we really talked about about the start of the season was that, that Canada wouldn't let them play. So they yeah. were just sort of like, the Kurds or like the Palestinians of the MLB where they just <laughs> yeah, don't yeah, have yeah. a leader anymore. Sure. Yeah. And <laughs> they, uh, they, they, they're, you know, they're a nation without a nation state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was funny too, because they were like looking for places to play. Right. And they said, they got kicked out of um, Pittsburgh. Like, you yeah. know, the Palestinians getting kicked out of Jordan. Sort sure. Of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They said that, uh, you know, they were going through apparently one of the managers or executives or something when they're going through the list of people like early, like, you know, a bit midway through or something with this whole trying to find a place to play. The guy said, look, worst case scenario, we'll go to Buffalo, which is not really a thing that you want to say about a city kind of thing. Like, that's not the... <laughs> that's so well, it is Buffalo. I mean... <laughs> you know, Buffalo and then... seems like a perfectly nice place. Yeah. Yeah, so... sure. <laughs> so, I just, yeah, that's... Uh... You know, you don't get the key to the city with that kind of uh, talk. But yeah, but that's where they are now, right? I think that's where they're playing from. Yeah, that's what that's. They had to kind of walk that back a bit, I think. Yeah, and be like, no, no, no. it's a perfectly acceptable to place to live or something. Yeah, so yeah, no. we, we, we like it actually. <laughs> so, um, yeah, because our double A team or triple A, whatever team is there. So I, I guess so. Yeah, um, uh, or double A. Um. Yeah, and uh, I was also thinking that, like, what do you think about this whole, you know, it is, people are saying things like it's eerie or spooky, whatever, like the empty crowds and all that, like just not having anyone there. I watched a bit of it on TV, and it didn't seem that bad, really, the, the you know, like the having, you know, it's just, it, but it doesn't feel like a high-stakes game. It just feels like a lot of the time, like it just felt like, a, you know, almost like a spring training or something, because it's like, a, um. But, you know, they're looking at things they're going to do f to try to engage the viewer, I guess, because they're, you know, so they're thinking about things like, you know, they're doing the piping and the fake, the fake, fake crowd uh, noise the fake, is funny. Yeah. yeah. I hate that. That's so stupid. We love the, um, the clipping, uh, Fox, uh, you know, 3D rendered fake fans. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that's funny to me. That reminds me of, uh, um, they did, I don't remember if you remember like Fox tracks, the, uh, this is back in the day. I don't know, but like, uh, so in the mid nineties, they did like this thing for NHL, um, where they, th the, they got like Fox got like a contract for the, the rights to hockey. And, um, what they did is they said, uh, you know, people don't want to watch, uh, hockey because they don't know where the puck is. So they made the puck glowing and it made all these like different colors. And, uh, it was like, it, I don't know. Every single person in Canada thought it was the dumbest thing that ever happened because we, we thought it was like one of those, it was like proof that Americans aren't smart enough to watch hockey or something. It was some like nationalist thing there. But um, I don't know. This kind of thing reminds me of that kind of thing of like, they're going to start to try to figure out ways how to like make it somehow more, you know, uh, pleasing to watch or something. So they're going to have to have all these like gimmicky little things or something. So I don't know. But I mean, if it if it even goes on or whatever, because I could see them being like, no one's going to watch if uh, it just feels like a fake season or something. So, yeah. So I actually have experience with the empty stadium game with MLB because like 
just the weirdest thing happened where they managed to schedule a White Sox game in Baltimore during the Freddie Gray protests. So oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, they canceled, you know, attendance for that game. And like, you'd see fans outside of like the ballpark gates with the locks on it, like just trying to watch from the outside. And so this is kind of different from that. But also not really. You still see people like at the rooftops at Wrigleyville still trying to like steal like oh, a glimpse of the game, even though they know they're locked out because of COVID shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know. That's part of the evil of, I guess, the Ricketts family is that they like purposely erected the scoreboards and, and advertisements in such a way to block out those views and had like this long, uh, our, you know, they had protracted real estate fights with the people who own those buildings, who I'm sure also suck ass, but. I'm never going to cheer for the Ricketts family. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's a, uh, they're like the most yeah. evil people on earth. If, if you guys don't know about them, I think the, the guy who like really turned me on them was like Pete because he's the governor of Nebraska here. And he had this huge thing where he like really fought hard to get like lethal injections done um, at, at the expense <laughs> of the taxpayer. And I'm like, yeah. well, this is just petty and stupid and evil. And obviously the death penalty is like monstrous. Um, so I, I don't know how many baseball owners can say, like, I willfully fought to murder people. <laughs> yeah. Well, well George Bush, yeah, I guess. Yeah. George, George Bush, Bush yeah. for sure. Oh yeah. Classic. <laughs> Go Rangers. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's someone that could get it across the plate though, at least. So, you know, at the <laughs> oh, first yeah. pitch. I, I'm I, one thing I'm thinking about is like the pitching rotation. It's, it's really important for pitchers to have that r- very, rigid like five day six day sort of rotation where they pitch and then they have like five days six or uh, four or five days off and if games are like kind of up in the air like they get canceled here and there because of like covid stuff or they're like that's gonna mess some people up i I mean depending on how long this goes i wouldn't be surprised if people are getting injured left and right pitching's already like a very injury prone sort of thing to be doing and if it's just like, oh, well, you got to pitch today and not, oops, we thought you were going to pitch, but it's actually going to be tomorrow. Like, you know, you're going to be out of whack and that's not <laughs> that's not good. No, you're, you're on point about that. And part of that is also the warm up. And like I said, they kind of had the protracted um, hiatus for like four months or whatever between, you know, three, four months between, you know, spring training and like the summer camp that they used as a preseason for this season. And so that that preseason was not like normal for pitchers and a lot of them they're gonna fuck up their arms like trying to come into like a normal season from that like just that alone and then what what you're also talking about yeah there's gonna be like just a lot of like bad pitchers that are gonna get a lot of um you know time trying to eat innings because their whole staff has been depleted by a series of injuries and like covid bugs yeah Um, yeah do you think that people are going to even be able to perform at the, cause I mean, there is sort of a thing that I guess the, the message that they're trying to get out there is more, you know, these are professionals, they train all the time. So, uh, there's a certain level of performance they're just going to perform at no matter what the situation is, because it's almost like muscle memory and all that to them. Do you think that's true at all? Or is it just going to be, you know, uh, a clown show with the stats and all that this year? It's, it's, you know, it depends on the guy, really. Um, someone who's come out the gate really hot and who I've been waiting to watch play since um, they've signed him for, for my team is Luis Robert. Um, 
yeah, every time he hits the ball, it's coming off the bat at like a hundred miles per hour. And it's like, um, just, you know, every time I see him swing, it's like watching Ken Griffey Jr. Play again or something. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, the stats were eye popping. He won minor league player of the year last year. And I think he's hitting every game so far this season. Yeah. It's, um, and they, they were trying to put something together with, with the rebuild, um, they were trying to follow that model that the Astros and Cubs did. And, and the Cubs dynasty kind of fell apart after one championship and, you know, an, an immediate playoff decline. And everyone found out the Astros were huge cheaters. I don't know if you guys want to talk about the Astros cheating. <laughs> oh, yeah, That's yeah. another fun thing to talk about. Sure. Yeah, I have grown to really hate the Astros. They're, they're in the same division as the Mariners. So, like, yeah, not a fan. Um, yeah, absolutely. And... So the thing about that is that they brought in all of these uh, McKinsey guys, their uh, general manager, their front office. It's it's all these, you know, smartest guys in the room. And so it, it's so funny that at the end of the day, the cheating scandal they come up with is that they were like banging trash cans to make sounds um, to indicate when it, like there would be an off speed pitch or something. And it's like, this is so rudimentary. This is the thing you guys came up with. Yeah. It's yeah, so funny. funny. Yeah. You would think that at this point they could come up with like, I don't know, uh, you know, CIA tech or something, you know, like all the, you know, like special drones or something, you know, all that kind of stuff. But they <laughs> no, got drones like flying behind the picture. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. And yeah, basic cameras in like a trash can. And it's like, oh, okay, that's. And so that's actually spilled over into this season where um, there was a Dodgers Astros game. And a Dodgers pitcher threw at the head of you know one of the um, one of the Astros players, and yeah. I think they're looking at suspending him eight games. And everyone's you know outraged because it's a sixty game season, so eight games is actually a lot this time you know this year. Sure. And yeah. also, no one has been punished in the Astros organization for for what they've done. Yeah, they just yeah, that's did a- amazing. So they got a fine, right, or something? Or and yeah, no. Every player is basically like, "Well, what do you expect to happen? Like, if you're not going to dispense any kind of justice for that kind of obvious cheating that got exposed, yeah, then like we are going to take matters into our hands and you know throw at some of these guys." So, what's the logic of not punishing the players or the thing? Is it like that they don't have the evidence they think to hold up in like uh, you know extended litigation or something, or what's the or is it more like a cover your ass, move on kind of thing? Yeah, it might be a cover your ass, move on kind of thing. Because I think if they really investigated this and, you know, what was happening league wide, they'd have to punish more people than they were comfortable with or something. I think that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. I got to imagine a lot of teams are doing something like that. And to be honest, like, I know it's it it, it is cheating, but it's almost one of those things where it's like, it's kind of, it's not the same thing as like a spitball or like a corked bat or something. You know what I mean? Like well, it's, it's like, it's worse because it's systematic and the coaches are in not. And there's like some like guy behind a computer who's fitting you video relays. And it's like, yeah, the, the video relay stuff. But like, it's one of those things where I feel like if you can get away with it, it's kind of like good for you sort of a thing. But uh, I understand that's not. They, they do that opinion. with like, you know, there is that kind of flexibility with gamesmanship and it's like, 
it, it's it's very interesting when it's like Mike Fires calling them out. When it's like when Mike Fires was with the Astros, you'd see him with like a, a gallon of pine tar on his hat, trying to throw that. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. But know. yeah, no, he was like one of the whistleblowers. One of the players on the White Sox was one of the whistleblowers, Danny Farquhar, and it was you know interesting that like when he was playing them um that was one of the most like devastating things i've ever seen in a baseball game is like he gets you know knocked around by them by a few batters and then leaves with like what uh brain hemorrhage or something and he's like lucky to be alive and and shit and it's like maybe the astros hit him with the cia gun (laughs) yeah 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 Um, he seems like a good dude uh farquhar he used to be a mariners uh player and uh yeah he just seems like a you know, like a decent kind of like what you know. Baseball seems to have the kind of guys that are just like, you know, small town dudes, and then they just kind of like baseball, and that's what they're into, and that you know, that's their whole life. Yeah, sometimes there are some nice players like that. Sometimes they're just like crazy reactionaries, and that's always fun, especially sure, when yeah. they try and get onto Twitter and like try and go for clout, like you know, Kurt Schilling or Aubrey Huff. That's. Uh, I think I don't think anyone beats uh, John Rocker though. That's still kind of. John Rocker is a classic. We wish it was on Twitter more. Um, yeah. Oh, who, there, there's another guy I'm thinking of. Um, Lenny Dykstra. He's good. Oh, really? No, I'm not familiar with him. I, I know Aubrey Huff. Uh, he's, he's oh, pretty funny. Look, look, let me see what, like, he was trying to fight the bagel boss guy, Lenny Dykstra. They called him Nails. <laughs> I, I want to see what his latest tweet is. Hold on um he oh it's a blurry video uh is his pin tweet it says something rotten the state of baseball especially in queens exclamation point hashtag a rod is mets owner dot 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 seriously ha- at, at aubrey huff at Kerr Flem, at new york post at kurt schlichter at crime and sports oh i like the adding aubrey huff on top of all the news stuff. hashtag let's go mets yeah oh, oh yeah no lenny rules <laughs> He's being followed by, um, you know, the Brooklyn juggler and, and Bob and all, and just yeah, that's that's another great baseball guy to follow. If you if you love what you're seeing from Aubrey Huff and Kurt Schilling, yeah, uh, I I kind of like always when I was younger, I used to really like like uh, players like Nolan Ryan and Roger Clemens and stuff. And uh, like later, you uh, Nolan Ryan isn't that bad, but like Roger Clemens turned out to be a pretty big douchebag and everything. Oh, but, uh, people found out Roger Clemens like groomed a fourteen-year-old or whatever. Oh, like, I didn't yeah. even know about that. Oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. No, that's 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 no good. Um, when I was younger, I used to uh, be a, like a Nolan Ryan super fan. Like I just thought that he was the best ever, and um, so I ended up buying like a or getting, I guess, like a kid. But like I would wear like Texas Rangers hats for years, and then I wore like. Uh, um, after because of that I like the got the Astros one because I had the, like, the red star and all that and uh, I always thought it was funny because I was like thinking back like uh, you know I'm imagining as a kid being like a 10 year old in in you know the suburbs of Toronto wearing Texas Rangers hat everywhere and having never been to Texas no connection to Texas whatsoever or whatever you know and um, I don't know and now I have to hate them obviously because uh, um, they kind of cause trouble for Toronto sometimes so yeah yeah it's kind yeah. of funny you went from the red star to the red star huh yeah that's why I bought it originally because I thought that like 
that was one of the reasons why. So oh yeah, <laughs> I like right. the red star. I was like, well, that's, it's so that's vaguely a great socialist. Twitter, uh, you know, display name for someone who wants to do that in the future. Communist Nolan Ryan. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. So he wrote a really good book on pitching. I remember reading yeah. that, and that really uh, that, that helped me a lot. I used to pitch when I was younger, and that that really like, yeah, it's it's, it's a very good, solid book. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, um, I read that too. Yeah, it was neat. Um, yeah. I don't know. Um, do you think any other sports are actually handling it, you know, this whole COVID thing well? Like, or is there anyone that can get it right, whatever? Um, I'm not sure. You know, uh, I don't know. Like, uh, NHL is doing this thing with the two hubs, whatever. The You know, the whole um, Toronto and Edmonton, they're just playing all the games there. Um, I'm not sure. Like, I, I mean, it's weird. Yeah, I don't know what's going on with that. So, yeah. I feel like it's just a bad idea to have sports right now in general, just because it kind of normalizes everything. Some, ex- I mean, at the same time, it doesn't because you don't see anyone in the stadiums or ballparks. And so you kind of realize like it's, there's still not really live entertainment, but mm-hmm. at the same time there is. And it's like, well, it's okay if I just go to work with like my people. And it's like, no, you might still be getting sick there. Yeah. Like for the NBA, they've got that whole like Disney setup or whatever. And like, a campus or something i'm not sure what's going on there yeah like it's i i don't know like it's a i feel like because you're dealing with a similar probably for the nba and all that you're dealing with a similar or larger num- number of people overall right like you're you've got to have at least like ten thousand, twenty thousand people that are somehow involved right so uh yeah i don't know it's just uh we'll see what happens i guess but yeah it, it's yeah we're all just living one day at a time in corona land here yeah just to play devil's advocate i mean i do think that people i think it's good to provide some entertainment for people and you know sports is a huge thing for a lot of people you know so i i do think that they could figure something out it doesn't have to be like the usual sorts of games like maybe they just do a home run derby every week or something you know what i mean it's Part of why it's a bad idea for Major League Baseball to continue is because it's it's diverting like public resources away from dealing with it on like a more national level. So well, one of their big yeah. testing facilities is like Rutgers University, which is a public research lab. So you'd think like that's taxpayer money that might be otherwise being spent helping the public. I suppose, but I don't know if baseball is our first problem when it comes to <laughs> like money being misused. No, uh, it's not. But, you know, I hear your point. Part of the problem is if we're like, yeah, we're spending all this time and energy testing like a player four times a week instead of like, you know, a normal person once a month, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it all goes back to the point we were originally making about this being about money and especially like the owner's money in particular that they're going to be losing out on all kinds of, you know, a whole year of baseball is a ton of money to just, you know, lose. So... Yeah, I think it kind of comes down to that ultimately. Well, and that's that's part of why you can't expect the players to quit is because they have an even smaller earning potential for their lifetime. They've got, you know, 10, 20 years where they can try and um, earn whatever living they can. And this is part of it. So if you shut down the season, that's yeah, that's a year of that earning potential out the window. And so, yeah, that's that's why they have to have the season shut down. It can't be, you know, well, well, we need everyone to opt out. Um, yeah, that's, you can't expect that to happen. 
I'd be okay with the uh, if they shut down the season and the government just like paid them, their, you know, fulfilled the contracts as if they had played the full season and stuff. I know that it gets a little bit tricky because so there's like do that, the government should whoever, but you'd see because they did give the option to opt out to players, and so some players who had made like a career earning, you know, in nine figure, you know, ballpark estimates, like those guys were like, yeah, I don't think it's safe, and I'm going to opt out and. Um, one of those guys was David Price, who said, well, now we're going to see how they're going to handle things. We're going to see if Manfred was full of shit when he said we're going to put player safety first because it looks like he was full of shit. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's why I'm sitting on my couch right now instead of, you know, they're pitching for the Dodgers. And it's like, OK, that makes <laughs> sense. We we see what you were talking about, David. We like the socially, you know, conscious pitchers and in, in, in my circles, we like the Sean Doolittle, Lucas Giolito, Marcus Stroman. Um, yeah, th- th- those are some good guys to listen to. Um, my favorite uh, shortstop, Tim Anderson, won the battling uh, title last season. He's He's been, you know, speaking more vaguely about stuff. Um, something I saw that actually kind of concerned me that, you know, the White Sox got in on, I, I'm sure a lot of people have gotten in on, is the Everytown stuff. That, that liberal gun control actually really scares me because, like, I know who's behind it. And I'm like, well, th- they can't be up to anything good. I actually don't. What is that? What's every town? Oh, um, that that's the th- this was kind of a response to, like, Parkland and, and other such, you know, school shootings. But the person responsible for backing this non-government organization is Michael Bloomberg. And so, <laughs> yeah, their their ultimate solutions are going to be stuff like we need to empower the FBI to arrest more minorities. Yeah, I don't yeah, know. I don't think people really understand what they're asking for when they say like we need to do more FBI background checks and do more FBI um, tightening of regulations on um, gun trafficking and stuff. Because like if you actually look back at every town's old tweets, you'll, you'll find one where it's like saying, th- you know. Re- manual retweet of someone saying thank you michael bloomberg um tightening the regulations on the mexican gun traffickers yeah um you mentioned uh marcus stroman uh he was he was great i I really liked him uh you know obviously he was uh, that's another twitter display name marxist stroman yeah 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 he uh he's been good uh you know like he spoke out a lot in the last season he played for the jays but like in the last few whatever weeks whatever of it because uh uh, you know, we we had a situation where, you know, we had all these new young players and stuff, right? But, like, uh, I think he said that, like, he was one of the most senior players on the team at one point kind of thing. And he was like, that doesn't make sense kind of thing, you know? Like, it doesn't doesn't make sense not to have any mature players around them to be able to, like, uh, um, you know, there's no, like, there's no uh, older uh sort of workhorse players who can who can you know help out teach the way yeah you're supposed to act on this team yeah because that's the situation right now in toronto really where we've got like uh all these exciting kind of a few exciting young players who are all you know uh um the sons of other players basically and uh they're they're you know they're they're uh you know they're, they're fun to watch and stuff but it's like yeah you know you need it seems like you need a bit more than that to, uh, you know, ride out a whole season or something. So we'll see. Yeah, a lot of people deride that clubhouse leadership thing, but at the same time, they they see that like with you know with the White Sox, they've got 
um, Jose Abreu kind of doing that mentorship thing for, for Luis Robert and Eloy Jimenez and Yon Moncada. So, mm-hmm. you know, maybe there's a balance to be struck because he is declining in the skills portion, but he's also obviously very valuable in that he's, he's fulfilling that mentorship role. So it's, yeah, that's interesting to think about always is that, that balance. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we had also talked about how, you know, the more conservative players and stuff. I think that uh, I always like this, uh, you know, Doug Stanhope has a whole bit about this where he's he's saying that, like, uh, um, he, he doesn't like baseball because he feels like he's just watching cops on the field. Like, he, he, that they're always, <laughs> like, they're just kind of standing there frowning. Like, they're, like, you know, if you walk near them or something, they'd be like, you know, move along. You know, you're not supposed to be here or something, you know, kind of thing, you know. I don't know. So... And then, uh, yeah, it, it does. It depends on the guy. A lot of them, you know, if they were not baseball players, would be cops. And it's, it's yeah. always very fun to think about that. Um, did you have anything else that you wanted to, any, any stories or anything like that about the MLB before? Uh, um, uh, I'm know? sure I could talk forever about it. I just, um, nothing's coming to mind right now. Okay. Um, you guys know about Maglio Ordonez? No. Um, so this was a guy who played with the White Sox when I was a kid. I met him when I was 12. Um, oh, cool. They, they had like, uh, there was a dust up between him and Ozzie Gian where Ozzie Gian was like mad at him for his politics and said, oh, he's just another like lousy Venezuelan or whatever. And it's like Ozzie himself is also Venezuelan. Kind of funny. But yeah. um, and so now he is um, a mayor under the Maduro government. <laughs> what? And, oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he is Mayor Maglio. He is a Marxist Lenin, and he he represents the people for uh, for us baseball fans, you know, that are not uh, you know cop fans. Also, that's good. Yeah, cool. Oh, that's wild. He was great. <laughs> he was really a solid player. He hit a lot of home runs. Yeah, he was he was awesome. That was um, those you know early two thousands White Sox. They had uh, Frank Thomas and Paul Canerco and. Carlos lead so that they, they had some power in the middle of the lineup and then um they, they went in 2005 without like any of them that's a funny turn of events yeah that's it's that's wild um all right so i guess it's uh time to get into some questions here so we got one that seemed really pertinent for this episode in the discord so normally we would do uh discord questions on the patreon episodes but we're going to go ahead and do this one here uh, so this is from Sav, and he says, David Roth used to do this thing called Remember Some Guys on Deadspin. Who were some of your favorite guys from the Jays, White Sox, and Mariners growing up? So Sav knows our favorite teams. That's cool. Um, who wants to start? Sure. Um, I'll start. My favorite guy lately um, was recently cut, kind of going, um, working for a spot with the San Francisco Giants right now is Yulmer Sanchez. I did like a social media campaign to raise awareness for the fact that he should and eventually he did win a gold glove award crazy stuff cool yeah i don't know my remember some guys thing i i i watched a lot of them uh uh you know these are like you know i remember the 90s because like obviously the toronto blue jays won world series in 92 and 93 so uh you know i don't know like uh joe carter and all those guys were uh fun to watch uh uh, Roberto Almar Jr. or whatever, and all the, you know, and, uh, but I also remember like, uh, I, I used to, for some reason, because I was watching like the Astros in the mid 90s or whatever, 
or in late 90s. I, I remember all the, like the killer bees. Remember them? I don't know. Like the video and all that. I don't know. And so Bag those well. are my, yeah, mm-hmm. I remember some guys, guys. I don't know. No, those were the guys that we had to beat to win that World Series. And Clemens. Mm-hmm. So um, my favorite team growing up was not the Mariners, actually. It was the Rangers. Uh, when I when I moved to Seattle, I sort of got back into baseball and decided, well, I've been out of the you know out of the loop for a while, and now I'm in a city that has its own team, so I'll just start following this team and kind of cursed myself with Mariners fandom. But uh, when I, yeah, so growing up, the the Rangers were like really bad pitching and really like solid power in the lineup, and uh, I think it was a really fun time when they had like A-Rod for a while, and then it was like Palmero and cleanup and Pudge Rodriguez catching. I, I really liked Pudge a lot. Uh, so I, probably I would say him and, and that kind of 3-4-5 in, the, in that lineup was it's kind of my remember those guys. But then there's some of the like kind of more like the utility players that I sort of have like a fond remembrance of, like Rusty Greer was an outfielder. Uh, you remember Scott Fletcher? No, I don't. George W. Bush actually named his dog uh, Spot, uh, Spotty Fletcher, after Scott Fletcher. Oh, yeah? I, yeah. I, that doesn't ring a bell. Yeah, no, he was with the Rangers and the White Sox. So that's hmm. that's a, that's some guy to remember. Um, there's a guy, Gabe Kapler. You guys know him? Oh, Gabe Kepler, Kapler. He's, um, he was on the Rays, and he's been a manager now. And he's, right. he's a funny guy to talk about because of his blog where he says that players should uh, put their testicles under a UV light um, for health benefits. Yeah, he he got injured, I think. Like, he was a pretty solid, like, kind of five-tool kind of a guy. And then I think he got injured and retired early and then got into this, like, weirdo kind of, like, Rogan-y style health stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah, like you said, he has a blog and everything. Uh, yeah, no, that's, that's a funny guy. Absolutely. Um, should not still have a job managing baseball teams. <laughs> well, it's it's weird because I think, you know, the, some of the weird stuff that he talks about is, yeah, it's weird and it's probably ridiculous. But um, he also seemed to like be pretty serious about it, like for the most part, like he was just kind of doing like proper sort of like fitness kind of stuff and then it would just have these weird i don't know what he, maybe he's gotten like way out there i haven't really been paying attention but yeah i, I don't know how much of he employs day to day but I, I just don't trust him i don't think he's a good guy they should get rid of him whoever is like I, I don't even know what team he's managing right now i forgot i think it, it's the giants now with um yeah i think he's with the giants right now um, okay, how about this one, Don? As a Ukrainian himself, how will Don prevent the next Ukrainian-Polish border war? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a it, this has come up in the news again lately. The whole Ukrainian nationalism kind of stuff, because uh, I guess um, you know we got they've been spray painting monuments with like you know the Nazi war monuments, whatever in in Canada that say like you know glory to. Ukrainian division, whatever of Waffen SS, um, and uh, I, I don't know. I I can't hate Poland. I don't know. I don't. I don't hate Poland. I I'm from a part of like I mean like my ancestors are from Galicia, like the part of uh, Ukraine which was Poland for like, you know, I mean in different ways off and on for a long time. So, uh, 
I don't know. I, I feel like uh, if I can, if I, what I'll probably do is headed off by, I like, I'd like to go there sometime. I'd like to go visit Poland and Ukraine and stuff and, and go there. And, uh, I don't know, maybe once COVID ends, I can get some incredible deals or something. So, um, and, uh, so that's what I'll do. I'll be like a peace ambassador. One of my goals in life is to become a peace ambassador kind of thing. I can get like, uh, you know, UNESCO, uh, you know, like for tweets or something, I could become an artist for peace and just go there and, you know, wander around the villages and stuff and be like, I work for the UN as like a, um, you know, hero of sorts. So I think that's the idea. Yeah, I think you would probably be able to successfully like troll both sides into hating you more than they would hate each other and kind of yeah. like they hopefully would not bomb you or anything like that, but they would just be so focused on like all the yeah whatever you'd be saying that they would forget about the war. There's this uh, um, theory that they had for a brief period where um, like a Polish political leader, whatever, had this like theory that they were going to unite all of the states basically between Germany and Russia, like, or like nations kind of thing. So that there would be this like big, uh, thing through the Balkans, through, uh, um, you know, Poland and Ukraine and, and, uh, all of these like states, they were going to create like a super state out of that. And, uh, I like that idea because then instead of being bullied by the other two sides, like the Germans and the Russians and stuff, get this cool, uh, you know, like super state there. And then, uh, you can use that as like a, you know, then, 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 uh, you know, we won't be pushed around by these, uh, um, Germans and stuff. So I don't know. It's one of my lingering reasons why I hate the Germans is because they've, they've, uh, undermined that ideal. All right. Uh, next question here. Is it true that people who can a whistle are gay? Let's see. Uh, yeah, I think that is true. Uh oh. Well, you can't. I, yeah, I can't whistle that well. I don't know. Uh oh. Sorry. Sorry, man. I don't know. Well, sucks for you. We hate know. to uh, have to tell you this. You know, you had to yeah. find out this way, but sure. Such is life. Um, all right, let's move on here. Um, is there an N word for socialists? I'm serious. So I think they're like a slur against socialists, that kind of a thing. Or like um, a, a word that socialists can use like as the N-word. Kind of, like my, <laughs> my comrade, you know, comrade, please, that kind of thing. Uh, tanky? I'm going to say tanky. Yeah, tanky. Yeah, that's slur. probably the closest yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can You, you know, there, there's probably really good ones in other languages, like in like Russian or, you know, countries that like have like real history with like like communist governments and stuff they probably have all kinds of names for that kind of thing all the ones we have are like pinko and you know that kind of stupid stuff that no one really takes very seriously yeah i know in chinese they uh sort of related is that um there's like a term something like tonghui or something which is like uh or something like that and it's like a um it that's like the the word for comrade and uh, it means a uh, gay guy now. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I don't know. It's like you can you can say comrade and people will, yeah, they, yeah, it's context dependent, I guess. But yeah. All right. So, that's pretty good. Yeah. 
All right, so we got one here from our, you know, our good friend, the white nationalist. He says, why should I not, this is in all caps, by the way, why should I not be a white nationalist, you cucks? Why? Tell me why, why? Well, um. Tell tell him, Lex. I I just want to imagine that he's, like, reciting that in the mirror while he's typing that. And, you know, maybe just, like, read that question aloud in the mirror a few times. And, you know. Just, just keep going with it until you get into an answer. I think that's that's the way to go with it. Yeah. You're not allowed to be a white nationalist until you can convince your mother that white nationalism is the way to go. If you can kind of get your mom on board, you know, instead of sitting around and, and kind of like doing this on the computer all the time, like then then we can talk about things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I it, it, yeah, it seems like uh, it, it sounds like you're trying to convince yourself. I don't know. You don't go on uh curious cats for a uh, queer interfaith podcast unless you're uh, <laughs> trying to uh um you know convince yourself that you're uh, right so maybe look into uh um solutions like uh, becoming a muslim or a catholic or something like that so yeah yeah and make see if you can whistle just just look for allah's <laughs> light really yeah see solution there we go and then we'll get better questions, hopefully, from that person. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, next one here is, why is it called Cheesecake Factory? I've always wondered this. A factory is not... I don't want to go to eat at something called a factory. You know what I mean? That doesn't seem like the best name for it. But I imagine that they came up with that name maybe way back in the day where that didn't have the kind of heavy, like, industrial sort of connotation or something. I don't know what they were thinking. They could have named it a lot of things and cheesecake factory was what they went with. Come on. Like I guess Baker square was taken, but still. Yeah. I think that uh, maybe they like looked at the labor classifications of uh, the federal government and they saw that actually a lot of restaurants are considered factories because um, you know, you're producing food. So it actually is regulated in some of the same ways that uh, other things are like certain McDonald's jobs are considered industrial. So, uh, yeah. So I think that it's probably, you know, maybe it was used to be a state owned enterprise or something in the Soviet Union or something. And then they, um, you know, they exported it, It became some like oligarchs thing. And then he exported it to uh, United States and other places and made it like a you know, cheesecake factory collective number four or something. So, yeah. Uh, under the new government, the cheesecake factory will be the deindustrialized cheesecake eatery. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've never actually been to a cheesecake factory. Have you guys? No. I've been there a few times. It's, it's really just not, not great. Do they have like, uh, uh, is it just like desserts and cheesecake and stuff or what no, what no. It, it, it's like a very mid-tier kind of uh american diner where you can get like a blt or a salad and also cheesecake okay okay all right yeah i, I uh can't say that i've ever just thought like you know what i should go try cheesecake factory it's never really seemed worth the time i grew up on that kind of food like that's that was like what we if we went out for uh dinner or something it would always be like, uh, like you know, like one of those places called something like McGillicuddy's or like, you know, like uh, Pizza Workhouse or something. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> pizza Workhouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. It's a 
يعني All right, next one here is been seeing a lot of witchcraft on the timeline lately. Where is the Inquisition when you need them? JK, the inquisitors in Spain were after heretics and considered the claims of witchcrafts spacious at best. I think they mistyped here meant specious at best. Yeah. No, they were spacious claims. Yeah. A lot of room in those claims. I was reading a book that actually like, it was kind of funny because it was an academic book, but it was like trying to defend some of this stuff that happened. And they were saying that what would happen is that uh, it was sort of, for a period of time, a lot of the witchcraft kind of things were, or magicians, or whatever, you know, like the healers and all that. A lot of, uh, it was considered like in the early modern period, they thought that like that was, uh, it was the equivalent of like miracle cures kind of thing that we would say nowadays. It was like people being like, oh yeah, you could like drink this poison and you're like, uh, your sickness will go away. So people in villages and stuff would get like extremely angry at these people if they like they started dying because they were selling poisons and stuff so uh when they did like witchcraft trials and stuff a lot of the times it was people like that that like it was basically like consumer protection for that era where they would be like uh you know uh let's burn this guy because uh, he says that like you know that he says that you should eat this plant and then we did and three of us died or something so i thought that was funny because it was like it totally flips the script on that kind of thing. Like it says that like, oh no, the reason why they were doing it was because of this rational scientific reason, you know, that they didn't really understand, but it was like to make things more in, in accordance with the, uh, you know, the principles of good medicine or something like that. Instead of, uh, you know, instead of it being like the sort of classical online thing now where it's like, oh, the reason why any of this stuff happened was because, Uh, they just wanted to figure out a new way to police women or something like that. So I think that's funny because it's like, yeah, I don't know. I, I, you kind of think to yourself like how that would be applied today or something like the Inquisition. You're like, uh, you know, they, they, they go after someone that runs like an astrology app or something or like uh, go after someone that's like, oh, yeah, we, uh, we sell this homeopathy solution or something. And then some bishop shows up and is like, no, you're not kind of thing or something. Yeah. I know. I know. My my thing with the baby witches hexing the moon is I thought it'd be really funny to say like to a really round, fat, white guy like baby witches hex you because they thought you were the moon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I think the it's pretty goofy. The whole like I don't know where it started, but yeah, the whole thing of like young women kind of getting into this stuff is pretty pretty silly. But I don't know if the Inquisition is something you need to bring back for that. Like, they're going to move on to something else in like three months, you know? Well, maybe what we could do is uh, get groups of uh, middle-aged men to roam the streets at night kind of thing and look for witches. And uh, they could like be called something like a committee to enjoin virtue and uh, uh, forbid sin or something. Something like that, so... Like yeah, it sounds you know. good. I think Saudi has something like that, yeah. but they tend to go with like younger, younger type of dudes. Sure. Can be part of some sort of family entertainment protection act. Sure. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, all right. I don't know if you're into these types of games, uh, Lex, but uh, this question says, is Civ 6 with or without DLC really better than 5? A lot of people seem to talk up 5 as the pinnacle of the series. No, 
I do not know shit about the Civ games. I'm going to defer okay. to you guys. All right. Um, I I think they're both very good, and I would be willing to admit that 5 is more balanced and all that than 6, and, uh, and maybe leads to, like, more... Um, I, I think 6 kind of, like, you just steamroll and win pretty easily, and there's not a whole lot of... Uh, mid-game strategy or, or anything like that so yeah I, I could see an argument for five on on that basis but i just know i have more fun playing civ six uh and i would say you need the dlc without the dlc i don't think you're really talking about the the complete experience so yeah i i mean i i played it for a bit the six one i haven't played five much but or maybe i did many years ago yeah i mean civ six i was playing it for a bit but then uh you know, and it's it's pretty fun, but yeah, my computer just starts like basically giving off smoke kind of thing. Like it's not doesn't have a good graphics card. So, but uh, the one of the problems with it though, it, to me, not problems, but like just like I'm not gonna get involved in that kind of thing. It's like you know, there's uh, you know, of of the like different factors or like dimensions of the game. There's like a religion factor. There's like a climate and weather factor. There's a culture factor. There's diplomacy there's you know i mean like there's there's so many different things that you kind of go through every turn or whatever or like every you know and uh you know watching the military stuff you've got like the trade routes and all that so it's like there's like 20 different things you're supposed to kind of keep your eye on and uh you know i i think it's kind of fun to like click 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 kind of thing you know like go through it a bit and just you know see what happens but i feel like there's probably like all this like metrics to it that i just don't know anything about and don't care to look into where it's like oh no no no! you're supposed to at this stage of the game be, emphasize this to emphasize that or whatever and uh, i will never learn um at that level just to, don't have the patience for it so that's why i've been playing a lot of like call of duty i've just been playing through all the old games because i never did before and uh, that is a lot easier for me to wrap my head around because it's just like chuck a grenade ever so often shoot a guy whatever it's like my level of intelligence on that kind of stuff so yeah yeah i actually i started to kind of like try to get good at civ 6 and i found myself enjoying it less the more i got into like the number crunching like trying to optimize my moves and figure out like what do i need to focus on in terms of all those various components of the game you were talking about yeah and it just sort of sucked the fun out of it and uh yeah, so I, I kind of gave up trying to shoot for, like, playing at the highest difficulty, and I just play on, like, King, which is just above the basic, like, default difficulty, and that's, okay. like, good enough that it provides, like, enough of a challenge that I'm not just, like, automatically winning anytime I do anything. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like, I can kind of just, I don't have to think about it too much, and I can just, like, listen to a podcast or whatever and, sure. and play the game, and it's, like, a fine way to kind of, like, just kill some time or whatever um, um i i actually recently got uh the so there's another game that's very similar to these civ games coming out i think next year called humankind uh it's being made by a french developer who's made a lot of really good games in this style before they did endless legend and endless space and all that kind of stuff and i really enjoyed those i'm really looking forward to humankind and i got into their their uh, it's sort of like a beta sort of a program like they send you these very limited scenarios so 
today I got the first one. You can play 30 turns of the game uh, from the very start. And it's always like the same map. It's always kind of, you know, it's very limited. It's just to kind of see what do you think about these different aspects of the game and can you send some feedback, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And it's looking really good. I'm really looking forward to it. Um, That's cool. There's, a, there's like an interesting side to the way they're doing things where you develop your culture over time so you don't just like pick one and that's who you are you you kind of pick one for each era and it you you know based on what you're trying to do at that point of the game you may want to go more towards science or more towards expansion or whatever you know these different kind of uh choices you have and that will be reflected in the way that your civilization develops like the look of it and and all that kind of stuff so it sounds kind of neat like uh, i like the idea of it being more uh, almost have this like rpg kind of like uh you can customize your civilization a little bit more than in civ where it's just like okay i picked the ottoman so i know i gotta go for the artillery and just go for a domination game or i pick korea so i'm going for a science game you know this uh humankind thing seems more like you uh craft your civilization in response to the way the game plays out and that, that cool. seems kind of cool. yeah that sounds good um, I, uh, I also downloaded Europa Universalis 4. Um, and, uh, I, it was funny cause it was like, it seemed like even a stage further than Civ 6 on this kind of stuff where I was, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I, uh, I downloaded it and then I, it, it does the same thing as Civ, Civ 6 where it's like my computer starts to heat up or whatever. But like, uh, the thing that I liked about it, I, I mean, I, it looked cool. I was like, okay. It was like a words, words, words kind of thing. Like it just like, it looked like just, it was like I had to read a few books of text to like even start the game kind of thing. And, uh, which is fine. But like, uh, when I loaded it, I was like tired at the time or something. And I was like looking at it and it seemed kind of cool. But then I was like, I am not going to invest any time right now doing this kind of thing. Like it felt like a job or something. So I was like, I'm going to play this maybe another day or something. So I'm going to get back into it. But, you know, it's neat to like look at like I want to play as like Russia or something in 1700s. I'm like, this is cool. But like, yeah, I don't know. It's funny because a lot of these games and stuff, I've only been playing games for about a year now. I mean, like really you get back into it kind of thing. And, uh, um, uh, I always think that like, man, people spend so much time on this. Like I feel like how much work it is to actually get good at a lot of these things. So, yeah, that's what I enjoy about it. I like the, just the process of learning how something works and being able to master. I think the game itself is almost just an excuse to kind of figure out how to beat something or how to master something. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lex, are you into any, uh, computer games or video games or anything? Um, I used to be like addicted to World of Warcraft when I was, you know, uh, 14, 18, you know, that, that age range. And so I've mm-hmm. kind of like just been like off at cold turkey since then. Sure. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, not really. That, that's yeah. I just punted on that question totally. Oh, yeah. No, no worries. Just curious. Uh, okay. You know what, though? I do want to talk about my one gaming experience from back in the Warcraft days that was really like the zenith of the gaming experience. Sure. Was sure. being in like the World of Warcraft forums where one guy got so mad at me and like a few other people in like this one guild that he made an entire GeoCities website to call us all gay. 
<laughs> that's good um oh it was so it was like so long this you know whole scroll down there's like background music there's like rainbows back in the, i think like if the page the page is still kind of up it's a little shaky because it's very old um at the end there's like a disclaimer um some of the names were not changed um the facts were more true than i actually said because i'm leet and you're all pwned <laughs> it was, yeah very early aughts it was so cool yeah that's pretty classic we need that internet back you know that's that's what i that's what i came from that's what i'm here to do and things are changing in a way i don't like no we need to bring back posters like that guy whose uh, name was beyond skill <laughs> we need more people like that hey, that's good yeah they banned uh, david duke today which is uh you know, sad. I don't know. We're we're Rest losing all of our top posters. I don't know. So yeah. <laughs> RIP to a real one. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's get into this question here. Is Marxism and religion incompatible? I know James Connolly wrote on it arguing that it's not, and there were Iraq Shias who were communists, but it seems most other Marxists all accept atheism as part and parcel of its theory. Was hoping you could both speak on this. Thanks and love the show. Um well I think uh, we both share the opinion that they're not uh, incompatible. Yeah, but I, I mean, it's one of those things where uh, you kind of have to nail down what Marxism is, I guess. And if it's just like people should, you know, if it's just something like the economy uh, is moving towards a situation where things will be commonly owned probably in the future and planned and all that, you know, if it's something like basic like that, if it's something more like it's a whole worldview and it's like includes stuff like how you, you know, if it's like epistemology as well, like how you come up with the truth or something and Marxist view is like scientific instead of adopting, you know, if you buy into the whole nine yards of dialect, dialectical materialism, maybe, um, you know, and then there's also a different question like, uh, you know, should you be supporting organizations that are like openly atheist and like want to shut down churches and stuff if you're a socialist i mean if you're like a you know christian left or something and or like a you know muslim or something you know like i think uh you know i think it's just one of those things where like anything else where it's just completely contextual like if i were say some russian guy who was a member of the orthodox church or something and uh you know the nazis were invading i would have no problem fighting against the nazis or something like that it's not like you know, I probably wouldn't really overthink that or something, right? But like, yeah, I don't know. I think that's that's one of the things where that's usually where you have to kind of figure out where it matters, right? Like, where does it actually matter? It, it, in terms of like in the United States or something or Canada, looking for problems there or something, like looking for reasons why it's a contradiction or whatever, uh, it's probably not as big a deal. I think it matters more maybe like when it's like people trying to chase out people from their movements, like you know, there's this uh, Catholic guy that made a book recently that's like, Catholics can't be socialists, basically. And uh, it was just like a complete joke book kind of thing, like just like, you know, just total nonsense. But like that kind of thing gets a lot of play in the States because, you know, it's obviously very well funded and there's a lot of MAGA Christians and all that. So, yeah. Yeah, I uh, I pretty much agree with that. Like, I, I don't think that it makes a lot of sense to be picking fights on that sort of thing. I mean, I, I don't really 
in a place like the U.S. where you that have like freedom of religion and it's not really like there's no kind of like element of the the government that has some sort of religious character to it where like if you're trying to change the government towards a socialist sort of thing that you're going to have problems with like religious institutions i mean if that happened in the in the u.s i imagine that a lot of there would be pushback from like religious institutions but it's not the same thing as like the orthodox church in czarist russia and i'm not even necessarily defending uh you know what happened in, in that case but it's that's a very different situation than what we have today so i i think it's really strange to be picking fights either on either side like if you're you know trying to like chase out socialists from your religious community i think that's really stupid too because i I don't think most like if socialists are already in your religious community they're not going to try to like subvert the teachings or whatever i mean some people might have like really you know problematic ideas or whatever but like there's that has nothing to do with the fact that they have like socialist politics necessarily you know you can kind of debate them on the particulars that you have a problem with and not need to make it about like oh well you have you're on the left so therefore you know you can't be part of the religion or something that that seems really uh poisonous and i I really don't agree with that Uh, but you know different places have different situations I don't think with either side you can really afford to be too picky with who you have representing you on the streets at any given moment. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think that there there's there's really no problem like just from a like specifically from an Islamic point of view. I don't think that there's necessarily a problem with thinking that like the state should represent workers interests and that there should be more kind of collective ownership and management and that kind of stuff that really i don't think there's a huge issue with that and say like the sharia and whatnot because you know people like to sort of point out like oh well you know the sharia has this it doesn't it doesn't talk about like you know appropriating wealth from the wealthy and all that kind of stuff and that's true so i'm not i'm not trying to say that that you know that there is like some kind of crypto Marxist element inside of Islam or something. But um, I don't think it's the problem that people make it out to be because just as there's no like socialist sort of thing in the Sharia, there's also no capitalist thing. So if we're going to accept like anything beyond like the, the, uh, you know, if you're going to take those rulings out of their context of like medieval or even pre-medieval society and try to apply that to a modern situation, you're not going to find anything that really works. So and throughout history, people have always sort of adapted and and sort of based things on the principles and, and figured out like, well, in our situation, things are a little bit different. We have to do this. We have to do that. So I, I don't think there's any more of a problem with that doing that with socialism than there is with like capitalism or any other sort of system. So, uh, yeah, just for, uh, you know, in, in particular with Islam, I don't think there's anything, any problem there either. Sure. I think that there's probably is a problem, uh, a much more stark problem, I think in Catholicism when you're talking about like, uh, specific political movements or something like that. Like you couldn't, it's harder to say like uh, um, that you should be say a member of the communist party, of the Soviet union or something, right? Like at the time and be an active Catholic or something. And it comes up with things like should priests in say socialist Poland uh, 
you know, work with the government on their like registering priest program or something, you know, like it's, it's a, in situations like that, it might becomes much more like uh, people force conflict at certain points, you know, like, and it's not like, it's not necessarily, I mean, it's bad, it's bad, but it's like, you know, it's like, it's just a real, it's like a real political problem. Like people have different worldviews and they clash and you can't always vapor over that. And uh, yeah, I think that's, so that's kind of like the thing, like where, you know, there are certain things in the religion where this kind of like central planning, dispossessing certain people or whatever to make uh, other things work. But it's funny because the, you know, that kind of thing is off the table really in the religion. But uh, it's also kind of funny because there's there's like quotes from, uh, you know, Benedict the uh, 16th, like, you know, obviously not a, you know, not a radical left kind of guy who will say things like the closest, uh, you know, social movements or whatever kind of thing, uh, the closest to Catholicism uh, or very close to Catholicism would be the democratic socialist movements or something like that. Like he said that, like, and it's, it's unexpected to see that kind of thing, but it's like anything that's not like that's kind of specific kind of movement, which was very actively trying to shut down churches and stuff. He just, it's, it's, which is, you know, uh, and even then, it's funny because I, I I have a few books about this kind of stuff where there were a lot of people who did join communist movements or allied sort of with them uh, because of those other greater problems kind of thing, right? Like they said, okay, we understand that this movement is trying to shut down the churches, but say we need to fight against the Vichy government or something like that kind of thing. So those kind of people exist because you know, human diversity, you know, whatever, you know, like the, there's a lot of diversity within political movements and stuff. And it, just because... Yeah, there's always there's always people that kind of surprise you with their beliefs kind of thing. So, yeah. I Yeah, I mean, the way I kind of think about it because it is kind of something that you might see as irresolvable with Marxist critique of, you know, religion is an opiate of the masses. But, you know, we're now in the year 2020 and it's it's a very different time and a very you know, eventually you have to work with what you have. And so you kind of think, well, how different is America from, you know, its conceptual founding? And, you know, how, how do we have socially liberal values today that people feel are in line with what the founding fathers would have wanted somehow? Um, and the, the answer is that people just kind of have to see what they want to see and kind of work with what they have. Yeah. Like, if you can try, you can't, like, legislate all of the religious people out of a broader left coalition. I, I don't think that would be successful. Right. And yeah. what what are you trying to accomplish by doing that? That, seems, that to me, is, like, the big problem. <laughs> like, wh- what is the point of doing that? How is that helping accomplish the goals that ostensibly you're trying to, you know, like, is that going to... You know, does it not to sound like Hillary Clinton, but like, does that solve, you know, wealth inequality? Does that like fix any of the social problems we have? Like, what is the point of doing something like that? Uh, and, and again, the same goes for the other side. Like if a relig- religious community is trying to police people in their community and make sure that there's no leftists or something like wh- who's that helping? Why don't you engage in like dialogue and try to figure out a thing that's like best for the community and for the broader, you know, the the like the community in the sense of the whole country or something in, instead of like making sure people agree with you more than they disagree with you or something like it's, it's very strange. No, I have um, actually a protege who's very Christian left and he's started a new Twitter account recently. I kind of want to plug that for him. 
Go and for it. Yeah. I, I forget what it's um, what the ad is, but the general concept is that it's screenshots of people um, announcing that they are done with sports, that the social okay. justice warriors have taken sports away from them and they cannot watch it anymore. Because <laughs> of Black Lives Matter and Kaepernick and all that kind of stuff, I guess. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. oh, um, I saw the three players on my team kneel during the national anthem. I've been a fan for 40 years, but I am done today, sirs. Yeah. What's the what's the account at? What's the like the Oh, so it's done underscore watching. Okay, cool. so like D O N E watching. Done, yeah, underscore watching. Yeah. Oh, I see. So done watching sports, and we got a screenshot here of Charlie Kirk. It says hilarious to see black NBA players who make millions a year take a knee to try and tell us black people can't succeed in America. Kick them out of the league. Done watching the NBA. He okay. really go, he really goes for it there. Yeah, that's not <laughs> he's not holding back on that one. That's a wow. Yeah, if if only uh, George Floyd had just gone into the NBA like uh, you know all these other black guys. Yeah. Uh, okay. Next Smart one is guy. from uh, I guess the Blackhawks, the uh, Chicago hockey team. It says moving forward, headdresses will be prohibited for fans entering Blackhawks sanctioned events or the United Center when Blackhawks home games resume. Well, this is kind of weird. I know this is trying to like. Kind of, well, no, you, you know, be progressive. Through. There's, there's a follow up. Oh, I, I, I know, I know. I'll get to that in oh, a second. Yeah. But what I mean is, they're trying to make sure people don't come in and do like the whole cultural appropriation and wear like offensive headgear and stuff. But doesn't this also sort of prohibit like actual Native Americans from entering wearing their own thing? Well, I mean, yeah. I don't yeah. know if they thought that through. <laughs> it's a cer- ceremonial thing. So I don't think you wear it like hanging out or whatever so yeah you know yeah, like it's very true. funny if someone actually showed up wearing the headdress and it's like no no it's okay yeah. yeah yeah they hadn't been in town for like you know they they just live on a farm or something they hadn't been in town for like 20 years so they're right. like they're like what do you mean what is cultural appropriation or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um but yeah so there's a second screenshot on that uh it's someone replying to that tweet it says, uh, as a lifelong fan, I will not be coming back to the United Center nor watch another game. This is becoming outrageous. Anything you do is offensive in 2020. So there you go. That's one of these uh, like Indian chiefs, obviously, who's uh, upset about this. Yeah, oh, they're all so great. All right, Lex. Um, do you want to uh, just briefly uh, plug your uh, your awful pundits tournament real quick? Yeah, let, let's go to that. Um, so the the project on Patreon, um, Awful Pundit Tournament, uh, at Awful Pundits on Twitter. And right now we're doing the Putrid Pundit Invitational for the first time ever with uh, Patreon exclusive uh, $1 for vote only tier, $5 gets you the Big Dave baseball card and input on uh, exhibition games and uh, regular season flash games when the second ever regular season starts up uh after the big bracket did you um, say big yeah. dave baseball card oh, oh I yeah said big dave baseball card wow that sounds cool <laughs> i'll check that out it looks cool yeah it does look good yeah I so the putrid pundit invitational going on right now um the games we put up right now feature sadie doyle versus moira donegan malcolm nance versus virginia heffernan joe scarborough versus hugh hewitt and Connor Friedersdorf versus Sam Harris. Nice. And um, yeah, going up next week, we are going to have Benny Johnson versus Jamie Kerchick. We're going to have uh, Zerlina Maxwell. We're going to have Thomas Friedman. 
we're going to have Charlotte Clymer versus Thomas Sewell. So, you know, these are the games you want to vote in. Yeah, some all-stars there. That's pretty good. And, um, you know, this is this is like the NIT. And so, yeah, this is this is exclusive for Patreon voters. But um, it's going to have to be, you know, access to everyone on Twitter for the big bracket to decide the eventual champion. Sure. Um, 2018, we had Ben Shapiro win. 2019, he repeated. And in 2020, Jennifer Rubin took the title. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she's... She's been a good, you know, a rising star. So, yeah. I, I think she hit her real peak with the Bloomberg uh, reply tweet. The about spaghetti it. thing? Yeah, yeah, that one. Yeah. Um, And she's still just dumb as a sack of bricks, but I, I don't know if she has what it takes to repeat like Ben Shapiro. There are so many hungry people out there right now. Barry Weiss, Megan McArdle. They're, they're all just equally stupid and just equally hungry for that championship. Yeah, man. I mean, you're fighting the good fight here. I can't pay attention <laughs> to any of this stuff. It's just too toxic for my brain. But, uh, you know, someone's got to do it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, it's really a public service. But um, if you want to, you know, vote in the invitational tournaments or get your Big Dave baseball card, you know, it's, it's you know, supporting me for the work I put in maintaining the spreadsheets and letting people know who's number one on top of the hit list if you want to go that route um you know parody parody okay <laughs> yeah <laughs> cool yeah well well thanks for coming on i don't know that was fun going through um the horrific disease-ridden baseball season that we uh i don't know are looking forward to so yeah oh we were recording my white Sox one two and oh for dallas keichel nice hey congrats i'm wooting <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so we'll just have to see what happens with all this kind of stuff. It'll be interesting, that's for sure. Um, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. If you like this episode and you'd like a second episode every week, you can subscribe to our Patreon and you will get access to that, as well as access to our Discord where you can chat with us in our community. Uh, please remember, we have a curious cat where you can send in questions anonymously and we'll be answering them on the show. So thanks for listening and we'll catch you next week.